Yeah, Lehman Kessler had a had a new baby last week. So congratulations to Lehman and Rachel. Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hail Hydra. That's right. Bunch of shit going down this morning before recording time, that's for sure. Damn, man. Don't fuck with football. <laughs> you don't fuck with football in America. Ay, ay, ay. What the hell? That's right. I mean, it, it, like I was saying to you, was it this morning, yesterday morning, it was at some point, mm. um, there's going to be a whole lot of lefties who didn't give a shit about Colin Kaepernick at all um, because they don't care about football and football players, blah, blah, blah. After today, everyone, everyone's a Colin Kaepernick fan. It's just, it's amazing. I, I just, you and, know, we'll, we'll get on to our regular topic, but I just wanted to say two things. First of all, every douchebag out there who has a flag shirt can go fuck themselves over this because mm-hmm. you already disrespected the flag by doing that. And and second of all, you know, thank you for voting in this, um, the small government people that we have who feel that the government's place is to bully football players. You know, thanks for that, assholes. And I like football. I, I know you like football. I'm really surprised that you're you're actually not engaged in 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 the the boycott of the NFL. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny because this is the week I said, you know what? I'm going to be part of the boycott. I know the Ravens are like doing some great thing in London, but I'm going to be part of the boycott. And I wake up to this. <laughs> I know it's like football is everywhere today. Nothing about the game itself. All about, all about the the, the kneeling and all about people people kneeling and, and certain quarterbacks in New England who wear MAGA hats, um, not having to comment about it because you know their their buddy fucked up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, fuck you, Tom Brady. I'm I'm glad that this is really starting to steamroll that 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 Copernic is not alone anymore. I mean, for a while there, it was just him. Yeah, and, and it probably and honestly, it probably still would be until Trump opened his trap. Oh yeah, that's that was the catalyst of a lot of it. Is you know the the president of these United States going on and saying. That these oh, sons of son these of sons of bitches. I mean, and in that context, it's just as bad as if he went down there to Alabama and just said these n word. Well, you know what? It's it's telling that the man will take the Twitter time to point the finger and call sons of bitches at football players, black football players, but not you know call out Nazis. Mm-hmm. So essentially. Fuck you. Fuck you. Why are we talking about this on this show? Because the NFL is a nerd project project as well. Steve's a fan of football. I'm not a fan of football. But both of us agree, and, and this show has been political since day one. Yeah. I, yeah. Our first show was about, you know, the rape cover mm-hmm. of, uh, of the Batman issue. Was it Bat- Batgirl? Batgirl. What our actual topic, justice aside, 
is KK Slider. KK Slider. Yay! I have no idea who that is. Uh, <laughs> is is that like Apple Butt? No, KK Slider is the uh, composer of all the music for Animal Crossing. Ah, okay. Thank you for that piece of trivia. There you go. All right. What we're talking about today is the AP side of Microphones of Madness. Random bullshit session to keep everybody apprised of what we are actually doing with the show, with the channel, with with the entire Microphones Madness project. These types of shows will go on. We'll still talk about books. We'll still uh, rant about assholes and (laughs) shitty movies and, and all sorts of things. We've got a lot more books coming up. On the AP side, we are planning on veering more in the direction of creating original content, writing our own scenarios, writing our own games for specifically for broadcast. Yeah, now we're not saying that we're not going to do published materials because, right. you know, we're, we're continuing with uh, The Two-Headed Serpent. Um, we probably will do a quick one one or two session thing of that French Revolution, the, the terror mm-hmm. that came out. You know, interesting stuff that comes out because, you know, you don't want to close the door. Right, right. Call of Cthulhu has another uh, organized play event coming up. We'll probably be doing that. So there will be little odds and ends. We'll we'll continue Tomb of Horrors to its inevitable conclusion, right. most likely. So yeah, there will be you know pre-published content, but the main thrust will be creating original stuff. Well, basically, what happened was the thing I was running, the big thing I was running, Masks of Narlathotep, ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big thing you were running, Final Flight of Jonathan Rocks, ended. So, I mean, that's like two huge gaps in our play schedule. Yeah, and and you, we really do need long form campaigns to keep it going because it is a pain in the butt to organize something small. When when you have a when you have a show where yeah we release like three episodes a week, two of them are APs. On, on an average week, but, you know, we're still playing them every other week. So, you know, a lot of times what happens is, is you'll do a one shot and a one shot will turn into two episodes, but because of the schedule and player availability and stuff like that, it might be you do one shot and then like four weeks later you do the second. Right. And with, with more long form campaigns, it becomes more like a series. People get it more, really get more involved in the campaign. Right. It's, it's not, you know, like a one shot's kind of like um, a special event. Yeah. Oh, we'll do yeah. two Mapars and it's a break and everybody has fun, you know, and it's a little mm-hmm. bit more loose. Right. Uh, because obviously you don't really care about the characters as much. You don't have as much invested in. Right. Because it's, it's really a dungeon crawl. There's not much story going on there. Right. Um, whereas, like the, the long form stuff, like um, Final Flight, um, your Dungeons and Dragons campaign, Cursed Earth, you know, mm-hmm. people, you know, Mask and Narlathotep, people, the players got really involved in their characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the same thing's happening with um, the same thing happened with Time to Harvest. Right. Um, same thing is happening with uh, Two Headed Serpent. Yeah. Campaigns are great. We love campaigns. Yeah. 
it takes a while to, to, to get through a campaign. I think uh, what we ran massive tip for a year. Uh, it, was, it was two years. Almost two years. Yeah. Uh, Final Flight of Jonathan Roxton was almost a year. Yeah. Um, Cursed Earth has been going on almost a year. And this is the type of stuff we want to do. So we've got Nippon no Kage coming up, which is a almost a Chanbara film, Pulp Cthulhu adventure. Yeah, Steve. Steve has gone through. He's created the campaign. He's uh, he's really created the setting because this setting doesn't really exist within Pulp Cthulhu and Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, it's it's odd that that has never been part of it. Just because Japanese role playing, there's a rich history of it, and and people do it. You know, like a, a Edo period kind of Japanese role playing. Not, yeah. Not people in Japan playing that that yeah. fantasy setting. Not like the. The, the historic setting, but you know, like Dungeons and Dragons or what have you in in medieval Japan. Right, right. What TSR used to have, they used to have their book Oriental Adventures. Right, Oriental Adventures, Bushido. Um, there's there's a, a Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah, there's a ton of them, and I'm just surprised that basic role playing never like went there. So so we've got that coming up, and and that promises to be very exciting. And then uh, you have. Uh, we're going to do a Star Wars. Game yeah, we're game. going. We're going back classic. We're OSR. going. Uh, <laughs> we're getting on the uh, OSR craze. Yeah, uh, we are going back to uh, West End Games' D six second edition system. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go back and we're gonna do some uh, classic Rebellion era Star Wars campaign. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of. Uh, delights in store for that yeah you're definitely the guy to run that shit so we want to just take a little bit of time to talk about our process in creating campaigns steve and i have both done original stuff for the channel steve did the uh train sequence in mask of nyarlathotep and the tibet adventure which was like what like almost four episodes that was three yeah it was three. three three episodes and the train adventure i think was two yeah so yeah it was like f- Two years worth of campaign, five episodes, which is almost ten hours of just original material within that campaign. Oh, that's true. I didn't I kind of thought it was like a drop in the bucket. And you you did the um, you did Yojimbo, which we played for the channel, as well as that Nep- Necronomicon, right? Which has done surprisingly well. Yeah, yeah. People seem to uh, enjoy that little. It, that little it short does thing. better online. Those people listening to it and people who wanted to play it. Well, yeah, and and it was it was you know we only we only had uh, three players, and so it became a very small and intimate kind of adventure because there was just there was just three of us and right. three very different characters. Yeah, that I thought that worked. Um, you guys did a really good job um, interacting with each other on that, uh, playing mm-hmm. off of each other and fueling each other and, and making decisions based on each other. I didn't have to do a lot of. Uh, a lot of prompting. Lily does slasher flick. Slasher flick is completely 100% of her stuff. Yeah. I'm really thinking about trying to get slasher flick in a little more often, just because that is the perfect game for all of us to just cut loose. Right. The goal is to get your character killed in a stupid way. Right. That's how the players end up winning. Right. And, and we, we have a good group, particularly, with this most latest uh, slash reflect, she's doing the last vodcast. You know, we have a good group that is familiar 
enough with the tropes of horror that Lily just sits there and occasionally asks for a role. And most of the time, we're just like, we're just free for it. We get it the whole time. And it's, it's fantastic. Right. Because I think everyone of us has grown up watching cheesy 80s horror flicks. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we've grown up watching cheesy horror flicks. We make fun of cheesy horror flicks too. And that's, and that's the whole gag about it is that it turns into, yeah, it's, you know, we're playing a horror game, but it turns into horror comedy really fast because we will get in there and we will overact it. We will camp it up and, and just do the most ridiculous things possible. Right. It's an art. You have to, you have to try and get yourself killed with, while not looking like you're trying to get killed. I don't know about you, but I have a blast playing. And then remember, Matt is doing uh, currently doing the, the agency. Oh, I thought it was over. No, there's going to be one more. Oh, there's going to be one more. Ooh, I better change the description on that episode then. Yeah, so that that's kind of cool. It's kind of a um, secret government cleanup squad mm-hmm. kind of thing. Kind of a Delta Green without yeah, the Delta Green. Without the Delta Green. <laughs> Other than Two-Headed Serpent, everything going on right now is completely original. Yeah, so I, I have to ask you a question. Okay. Why Star Wars? Um, well, Star Wars is it's it's different in tone than what we've been doing. It has, I mean, Star Wars, of course, you know, anybody, everybody knows George Lucas based that on the old like Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers serials. So it has that pulp feel to it, but it's also different in tone. It's it's lighter. It's not epic fantasy like Dungeons and Dragons, where you know you're trying to stop the world from ending, or horror is everywhere like masks or the agency or even in some cases final flight it's just something where you know you can do more of the adventure aspect but overall star wars is just just, it's fun setting so why uh why the d6 star wars why west end nostalgia Mm. system what what i i really like the system there are a shit ton of star wars oh yeah uh yeah i was looking at you know, we were we were looking at FFG's uh, Star Wars system, and you didn't want to have to pay sixty bucks a pop to play it. Yeah, Jesus, and uh, you know, it's like what is it like four rule books, and and all of them are essentially the same with different flavor information buried in there. Yeah, and you have to get special dice, special dice, and 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 that sort of thing. And I wanted to go with a simpler system. Uh, I thought about maybe going D20, either, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast original core or revised core or maybe even Saga edition. But, you know, I went back and I looked and I had forgotten how elegant D6 was and how much it focused more on the storytelling action. The, The system is more conducive to theater of the mind, which is really how we play. It is, and by necessity, because we, uh, you know, we, we play online. So, mm-hmm. right, and the even, most you could do is toss up a map and say, "This is the arena you're in." Right, and even a site like Roll Twenty, yeah, it has a lot of great features. We've used them for certain battles in D and D and stuff like that, and we might use it later when we get everything converted for Twitch. By and large, what we do is we play in theater of the mind, and it's best for audio podcasts um, because there is no referencing of a a map or a table or something like that where you go, well, I'm going to move over there. 
where you would point on a map. Right. I think we do a pretty good job of uh, of making the combat as least confusing as possible. Right. Right. Um, no, I mean, we we fudge a lot. I mean, right. well, even okay. like Call of Cthulhu is designed to be used with miniatures. I don't know a lot of people who do, but it, I mean, it technically, you know, you have um, when you when you see movement rate seven, that means that that's seven squares. <laughs> that's for me. Right. So I right. I mean, but yeah, we fudge it because you know. All right, so it's my turn to ask you a question. When you were creating Yojimbo, when you were creating uh, the the train through Siberia and the Tibet adventure, you know what was what was going through your mind in creating that to make it a, not only a fun experience but something that was listenable. Um, so the train was definitely. Uh, I didn't want a red line. Such a long trip. Because you were going basically from 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 uh, Western Europe to China, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to redline that. And so, but I wanted to have something odd happen on that trip. So I asked myself, what would be exciting on a train? And I thought, oh, a color out of space would be really cool because you're in a confined area, mm-hmm. and there's no escape because you're on a train. Right. There is no. Uh... Oh, well, we're going home. Right. So it, it was kind of like I wanted to I wanted to have a lot. Originally, I had thought of a scenario with a color out of space in a in a penitentiary. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you would have that no escape feel to it. Um, but I thought it would work really well on a train. Um, so that that's what was going through my mind with that. All right. What about Tibet? Uh, Tibet was um, I, I wanted to make the, the shit. Sorry, that's me. Uh, the seven books of of Asan, which are the, a big MacGuffin in the Mask of Nyarlathotep campaign. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put a little bit more weight on it than in in the way it was written. The people in China already had it, right. So who cares? It's there's not a lot of weight, but when it gets stolen later on, you know, you went through hell getting that book, right? So when it gets stolen, it, it, it matters. Mm-hmm. So that that's what, and I thought Tibet was kind of a cool setting, and I had just bought the uh, the uh, Secrets of Tibet book, mm-hmm. and I and I wanted to use it. <laughs> right, we've gotten some use out of that book. So, yeah, we really have. That's one of the best purchases I've ever met, just for the Kung Fu rules alone. But, yeah, and, and the character creation from that book is really good, especially if you want to play um, non-American, like, you know, characters, it, you know, Asian characters. Very, very well done. Um, and then the, the current thing is I really wanted to play Bushido. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to play that because it looks so cool. And I have like this longing from my youth where I've seen it and I never bought it and I never played it and I really wanted to. Um, so I bought it and reading it, it was so complicated <laughs> that I couldn't put you guys through that. Oh yeah. I remember, I remember sitting with you and uh, doing a character and it's like, it's Oh my like, God. It's like, 
I mean, it's just a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers. And, you know, you, I tried to, to make a, make a guide for doing it. And even then it was still, it's a lot of numbers and a lot of things to juggle and keep in mind. And it didn't seem like it would be worth it for like a game, like one game. Mm-hmm. But I really like that setting. <laughs> so uh, I decided to just do it for Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. And so I just adapted a lot of what you have in Bushido just to put into basic role playing mm-hmm. just for like types of characters, but it, it doesn't translate quite as well. Cause that's one of those classes. You have your classes like fighter wizard, blah, 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 like D and D type classes are in there. Samurai, ninja, whatever. And basic role playing doesn't work like that. You have you have occupations. So I did, I spent a lot of time like trying to figure out what like, like a, a nice um, array of occupations for, for Edo period Japan would be. And some of them, no one's going to use who wants to play a fucking fisherman. Who's an actual right. fisherman. <laughs> no, you can play a ninja who pretends to be a fisherman. That's a whole different story, but yeah, who wants to be, a you know, it's, it's interesting that you mention using BRP uh, over the original Bushido rules because of the number crunching. And um, you know, sometimes with the players, I think Lily particularly was like, man, I'm getting a little burned out on Call of Cthulhu. But, you know, it's one of those things that BRP, Call of Cthulhu, is a very simple rule set. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems a little daunting, but then after you read some of these... <laughs> rule sets that are out there like mm-hmm. Bushido Aftermath. I'm looking at I'm looking at you, Traveler. I'm actually looking at Traveler. Right. Where you have like all these numbers going on derived from derived numbers. I mean that's literally Bushido had numbers that you derived from derived numbers. Right. And I why? Why do you need all that? I mean I have no problem you know, having a bunch of things that should probably have their own separate categories all lumped together to sneak or stealth mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and just play the fucking game instead of, Oh, you can't do that because, you know, that's covered under, under stealth, but you know, that isn't technically a stealth skill or, or a spot hidden is the big one, right? Mm-hmm. Because spot hidden, you got to take into account, all your senses except for hearing because there's a separate listen. But what happens if you smell something? Well, Bushido, you'd have a fucking smelling skill for right. that. But, you know, in, in BRP, you can just say, okay, just give me a spot hidden. And have it as right. a perception. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the other thing I did not want to do it as D&D. Right. Didn't want to go D20 because there was already a system installed for that. Yeah, that and and you know I like D and D, but I think D and D is good for D and D. Yeah, fifth edition. Fifth edition's good for like theater of the mind and and storytelling, and it's a very streamlined mechanic. But yeah, it's you know Pulp Cthulhu BRP, you know with talents and things like this, and it's just okay. What do you you want to do the thing? Okay, roll this. Yeah. Okay. Success, failure, degree of success, etc. And really, when you're talking about AP and, and doing something for a podcast, you want that mechanic simple because you don't want to spend 10 minutes making an attack roll. 
Right. Or, or looking up the rule to do something. Right. When, when you could just, okay, what's your, what's your build? Right. You want to do that. It's a maneuver. What's your build? And just right. get, and just roll the die and get it over with and then describe what happens. Mm-hmm. And which is another thing that we do as a group is we do a lot of that. Uh, uh, there's, you know, sometimes in big combat you'll get to, yeah, um, I'll make my attack. But, you know, often if it's like something minor, it'll be I jump off the counter, grab the back of his head and smash his face into the console. Well, how do you roll for that? Right. You roll a jump <laughs> and a maneuver. Very simple. Yeah. But how do you do that in D&D? Roll a acrobatics and then in your attack. <laughs> how do you do that in Bushido? Uh, probably got to roll like eight <laughs> different things. Like, okay, I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll my concentration. Nope. Then I'm going to roll do my acrobatics. You would actually roll the different. You'd roll your attack, and the difference between um, your target number and what you actually roll would indicate how successful you were at doing what you actually set out to do. Ah, right. Which would take like ten minutes. You'd have to calculate it. Yeah, and and you have to calculate numbers because they change all the time. Mm. It's just easier to do it. Um, like and and originally, um, basic role playing was designed with this in mind that you mm-hmm. can adapt it to different settings and and you had like this skeletal system that you can add on to or take away from and just plug it into a setting that you wanted, right? Um, which is great. So that and even though there's no official BRP for seventh edition. We've actually, and you're the one who started doing this. We kind of took it um, and used it, and took some of the Cthulhu out of it, and and adapted it for more of the of the pulp part of it. Right, right. There was still the Cthulhu stuff. Yeah, it was still it was still in there, but it was like definitely more of an of a adventure series. Mm-hmm. Than, than it was like a, a Cthulhu thing. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying as a compliment both to you and to the system itself. Right. Um, that you could do that. And, and uh, you know, can you do that with other systems? Yeah, you can do it with GURPS, but GURPS is so fucking complicated that why would you want to? Right. Um, yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to do with Final Flight was we had just, you know, we were wrapping up masks um, we had done like several other Call of Cthulhu scenarios, and it was just all you know, tentacles and squamous things on you know Earth and and cultists and stuff like that. I was like, okay, let's let's take a break from that for a second. Yeah, we'll still have you know nameless horrors from beyond and 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 that sort of thing, but let's have a let's have an adventure where people are you know. Climbing mountains and 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 descending through jungles and fighting saber toothed tigers and, and things like that. You were originally going to thinking of doing it with a Hollow Earth expedition. Right? Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking of originally doing Hollow Earth expedition rules, and then uh, we all ended up getting copies of Pulp. Yes, yeah, so and I was like, I was like, you know, I all all you got to do is tweak it a little bit. It's the exact I mean, same thing. Seventh edition Call of Cthulhu had some generic horror monsters, vampires, and things like this. Um, you know, Pulp Cthulhu had things like killer robots and dinosaurs and stuff already in it. So I was like, well, you know, I've pretty much got everything I need here. 
to run just this hollow earth setting in Pulp Cthulhu. Right. And then you don't have to, you don't have to have everybody learn a new rule, learn a new system because you know, like it or not, that is, is like hurting cats right there. Right. Right. No, you might want to read a a new rule system and and you'll do it. And I might want to read a new rule system and I'm, and I'll do it, but come on. I mean, there's like, you know, like you said, 12 people. Yeah. One of the things that that I went through with with Final Flight with uh, Cursed Earth, you know, thinking about it in terms of okay, it's a podcast. Okay, yeah, it's also a game that everybody has to have fun. Is making the encounters different to do things that we've you've never you've never really done before. I mean, yeah, people have you've we've done a few chases. Never have we done one on a rooftop. So I decided to have. An entire episode where the entire action, all the action of the episode was chasing a character across rooftops. Yeah, that was Cursed Earth. That was Cursed Earth. And then we had um, a scenario in Final Flight where you were in a locked in a tower with vampires. Mm-hmm. And then later you guys were in a UFO. Yeah, well, and, and you also pulled like settings and scenarios from literature. Obviously, there was Godot showed up. Right. But you know, you uh, you you took the the maker of moons, mm-hmm. incorporated that into the setting, which was great. I mean, a lot of people that were playing, you know, I had got a kick out of that. I certainly did. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't see that that Robert Chambers used much in in Pulp Cthulhu. I mean, yeah, there's certain scenarios where the King in Yellow is used, but it's more that. You know, King in Yellow with tentacles and stuff. Yeah, it, and it's not its not like Chambers King in Yellow. It's Haster. Right. It's, you know, they're trying to bring uh, Carcosa down on Earth and blah, blah. I mean, it, it, it's, I hate to say it, but it's very plug and play with any other cult. And that, that's another thing. Now, don't get me wrong, because I enjoy playing Call of Cthulhu, but there's very limited plots out there for straight up Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them involve cults of mm-hmm. some sort, one or another, uh, whether these cults are human cults or certain people cults or cults centered around Mego or Shubby or whatever. And, and you know, you have different details of it, but, you know, it's a cult and you're thwarting the cult. The cult captures you or blah, blah, blah. Right. In Final Flight, you encounter the cult and the cult turns out to be the good guys. Yes, and that that was interesting. Um, the fact that you had Germans, they weren't quite Nazis, I think, had it yep. started um, a little bit later <laughs> than than it did. That might have they might have turned into actual Nazis mm-hmm. instead of Weimar. Right, they were they were a lost uh, troop of Weimar soldiers. I think um, had that had that come along. More recently, I guess they probably would have been Nazis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I decided to use the uh, an early 1930s setting, so a lost troop of Germans in a in in a center of, in the center of the Earth base. Even though I never really said it was the center of the Earth, right? Well, we kind of all assumed it was center of the Earth, right? Well, it was and it wasn't. There's okay. there's more to it, and you'll have to wait for the sequel. Okay. Um, but 
in in doing that, yeah, I, I wanted to give you guys wanted to give you guys a variety of encounters. I also wanted to give you guys monsters that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a a uh, a, a consideration when you're doing this is is to make it unique for the the characters and the players because everyone knows what a deep one is, and even though your your character may not have seen a deep one, you know what it is. So you right. want to have something a little bit more snazzy. I think that's one of the things that you have to do is you have to have a, a, a variety of encounters. You have to have something that's familiar yet unique. We've been fortunate to have a really great group of players. Yeah, you know? we really do. We have like people who, even people who haven't really done it before, mm-hmm. um, are very enthusiastic about it and, and jump right in. Yeah, yeah. Molly Molly Tanzer warmed up real nice and she became like kind of the heart of the team. Yeah. <laughs> and and Wes is always good and Lily's all you know, Lily and Wes are always fun to have and thankfully they've been like regulars in every game. Yeah. Literally. It, they're they're a lot of fun. Molly Gallagher's been a great addition. Yeah. She's uh she's she's hardcore. She is. Yeah. Stay tuned. We've got a lot of things coming up. We are making the switch over to Twitch, uh, probably beginning with Star Wars. Uh, so we will be doing more live streaming uh, through Twitch. Be switching to Discord to help up the audio levels a little bit so you can hear what everybody's saying. Right. Everybody's getting mics, too. It's crazy. Every, everybody's getting mics. Every, I mean, coming up in the next few weeks, the AP at Microphones of Madness it's just going to go to a whole other level. We have we have a plan. I think that we've rambled on enough tonight. So, uh, yeah, until next time, keep 30 looking.